Christianity and God makes way more sense to me than, than anything else. And it's always stuck that way. The Profile with Premier Christianity magazine. Hello and welcome to The Profile here on Premier Christian Radio. I'm Emma Fowl. The Profile is a show where we sit down with a well-known Christian to hear more about their life, faith and ministry. It's brought to you in association with Premier Christianity, the UK's leading Christian magazine. The monthly title features more interviews just like this one, as well as all of the latest news, reviews, columnists and more. Plus, there's great new digital content uploaded daily to our website, premierchristianity.com. To get full access wherever you are in the world, there are print and digital subscription options available. Get the magazine delivered directly to your door or access all of the latest content via your computer, smartphone or the Premier Christianity app. Head over to premierchristianity.com forward slash subscribe for more information. On today's show, I'm speaking to children's TV presenter Reese Stevenson, who shot to fame when he reached the semi-finals of the latest series of Strictly Come Dancing. Reese, together with his BBC colleague Dan Walker, spoke openly about his faith throughout the series, praying with his dance partner Nancy before each show and even speaking to his pastor and church family during video links. We'll be chatting about how he has felt God guide him throughout his career, quick answers to desperate prayers and why he'll never be ashamed of talking about his Christian faith. So Reese, thanks so much for joining us today on The Profile. Um, it's really lovely to chat to you. I was wondering if you might just start off by telling us a little bit about um, what young Reese's life was like. Did you grow up in a Christian home? What was your background like? Yeah, uh, so young young Reese's life was pretty pretty lovely, pretty sweet, actually. It was, like, it was a comfortable, um, some would say sheltered. Um, I grew up with, uh, so yeah, in a Christian household. My mum would take my my sisters and I to church every Sunday. And uh, so church is always a big part of, of our life. I, I, the idea of life without church seems really foreign to me, actually. That to, to, I, I've, right now, I've gone a considerable amount of weeks not going to church. I don't enjoy it because, you know, you feel a bit disconnected from it. But church is always a big part of our life. Um, I had, and yeah, I had two two sisters. Michaela was the youngest. She came when I was about 10. So that was a very, very exciting. And we grew up in Rumford and it was great. I mean, school was always, and then like school, I went to a school called Bow Park, uh, primary school as well before that, and then St. Edward's sixth form. And that was really fun because the two schools before that were obviously just kind of standard comprehensive schools. They, you know, they weren't denominational at all. And then, suddenly I went to a school which was denominational Christian and suddenly most of the kids had the same background as me which is so weird because I was so used to not being that I was always a minority I was always used to every time I, I mentioned church I'd mention it a bit sheepishly but then someone would hear it and then everyone would just like fire with questions like you went to church on Sunday you didn't sleep in on Sunday but like, no I didn't because not what we do and um yeah, and inside it, so that was a huge culture shift. In fact, one of the one of the funniest things was my best friend, who wasn't a Christian, and we'd gone to all three schools um, together, and he came to uh, St Edward's with me. And I remember he made a, he made a joke because I had a T-shirt that looked like it was uh, a Twilight top, but it was actually had like a Bible verse on it. And uh, my friend, in a uh, whilst we were sitting around a group of friends, said, um, "Yeah, I thought it was a Twilight top," and I was going to complain. And then I realised it was a Christian top, and I was like, "That's even worse." And then everyone went, "What's wrong with that?" And he went, "Oh gosh, oh," and he completely forgot the audience that he was playing to. And I sat there for, "Yeah, tables are turned, my friend. It's turned." So that was that was yeah the base of Young Reese's life. He he would uh, he'd run around, he'd turn the street with his friends on scooters, um, bikes. Um, you know, climbing trees, playing in the garden. It was, yeah, very, very lovely as, you know, as great as a childhood as you could really have, actually. I'm always really grateful for it. And I, I think back to that and um, I feel like I was one of the few kids who never wanted to grow up. I'm still upset that it's happened now. You know, I was always very, I knew it was a scam. I knew that growing up meant bills and responsibilities and I wanted none of that. But, you know, life dealt me that hand and I had to deal with it. Yeah, it does happen to us all eventually, so doesn't all. it? Yeah. yeah. Is, is this why you like CBBC? You can you can just pretend still that you're. You know, I do. You know, I do. Look, 
I do love CBBC because it does, you do just perpetually become a child for, for <laughs> the whole time um, and you get paid for it, which is so strange. So it, it, it's, I think I found my life hack, actually. I think I kind of cheated it a little bit. Yeah, that sounds good. So were you always one of those kids that, you know, did your, your Christian faith never wavered? It was always strong from childhood all the way through? Or was there a point as a, as a young adult where you decided, you know, it became real for you? No, honestly, no. I don't think it ever wavered for me as a child, even even into my teenage years. And I mean, I I would struggle in terms of, you know, there are things that you wanted to do that you can't, or that not that you can't do. I mean, you can, you know, no one's forced not to, but you know that it's probably not right for you to do as a Christian, as a young Christian man, as a as um as a person everyone knows is a Christian. Um, so that was the only kind of struggle I would have of like, oh man, can't do this, or you know. Yeah, um, like sometimes you know you're at parties and stuff and trying to know how to conduct yourself in the right manner even though everyone else around you isn't a Christian so those are the only things that were probably the struggle of being a Christian but apart from that no it it was always as a child it was always fact to me it was always a fact it never I, I never I never wavered or, or when I questioned I'd question things like you know People go, really, you can believe that there's some man in the sky who, who, who created all this and blah, blah, blah. And a part of me would entertain it for a bit and go, hmm. But then I'd think, but really, you think this came from an explosion that happened from nothing? Like, like no matter what, where we go to, how we argue it in terms of creationism or uh, evolution, how it starts makes no sense. So for me... Christianity and God makes way more sense to me than than anything else and it's always stuck that way and I think one of the great things I think what really helped me especially going into my teenage years I think that's where that's where it becomes um, a struggle that's where it's really tested that's where kids start to fall away and I think for me it works because um, we we just moved church and the church we moved to had a had an amazing youth group and um, where I where I grew up in Collier Row in Romford, um, all the churches there were quite connected really well. So there was this youth group every Friday that all the kids in different churches went to. And that's what I needed, because then it was a community of young people like me who all felt the same way. And you have no idea how strange it is when you're when you're a Christian child and you and then you, and you spend all your time going to non-Christian schools and your whole life, you feel like you're a bit of an anomaly that no one really understands the same thing that you're going to like to hear another kid going to church is wild to you and then suddenly you go to this kind of youth group where there's all these other kids who, who are all looking who might be who are really cool playing football doing all this kind of stuff and they all come from the same background as you and then you realize oh my gosh they, they are around and sometimes they're kids that you know that you've known before but just never mentioned it you know everyone everyone's just like there's so many secret christians around you that you just don't know and it's it was such an eye-opening thing for me and it was great because then suddenly it was Christianity became a bit of a more, more of a fun thing I was, I was looking forward to going to these events because my friends were there but then it's like you go there for your friends and then you stay for the message and I think that's what uh, especially these kind of youth camps and stuff try and do you know they, that's how you, you got to get you got to get them in somehow you know and so promising this great weekend or or, or time with friends and, and and cool kids and stuff and games and then letting, and then kind of gorilla feeding the message, you know, to them and, and having that be the thing that latches onto them. I think it's the best way of doing it. And I think that's what happened for me. Um, I just never let go. Yeah, totally. Same thing happened to me. I, I started going to the little Anglican church down the road from me with brownies and guides. And that was mm. the first time I'd ever gone to church. My parents weren't Christians at all. My friend took me to a youth group once, one night, and they were signing up for this weekend away. I said I'd go. I thought I was going on an outward bound weekend. I ended up on some crazy Christian weekend in deepest Sussex. And I met a girl from school there who was like one of the uber cool kids in my year that I had no idea was a Christian. She sort of enveloped me into her youth youth group again really really strong little group of gang a great gang of teenagers that I've gotten really well with and that was how I became a Christian so yeah you're right isn't it the, the power of community and knowing that there are other people that believe what you believe is really strong absolutely and I, I think it makes sense because Christianity is a social faith you know mm -hmm. it's, it's never meant to be um solitary and 
so like the all these events that you have, the things like the Soul Survivors, the New Wines, um, the David David's Tents, they're, they're, they're so paramount to, to the message because it's about togetherness. Because who on earth would want to be a part of anything where it's just you and, you know, just praying? And God, God knows that because, you know, if God knew that, he would have just created one man on the planet and be like, do your thing and live forever and just keep tending to it. He knew he knew that, that, that loneliness was there. And God, God himself, God themselves isn't one person. It's a trinity. It's always been about community. And, uh, and I just think that's, that's always got to be the heart of, of uh, kind of, of, the, of evangelizing. Yeah. And do you feel that responsibility at all as someone who now, you know, as a, as a young man is in the public eye, that like you know, you know, especially in your role in CBeebies and doing, and doing kids TV programs that, that kids now know that you're a Christian. And do you, is there a part of that that do you find that as a pressure or an encouragement? Uh, more of an encouragement, but there was the initial thought of pressure because Again, it's like school. I think in the celebrity world, there are a lot more Christians than we than we realize. You know, there are people that have come up to me in CBBC presenters and who have gone, "I'm a Christian too." I'm like, "What? What?" <laughs> and and um, but, but they, they haven't said, "Don't say anything to anyone." But there's there's the way they say it to me is almost like a thing of, "I'm not going to go shout from the rooftops for you because maybe there's a reason why you know you're you're being quite." you know, protective with it. And I think it's because, and I don't think it's because of shame, because it's not it's not how I felt when it came to talking about my faith on television. I think it's more the fact of the minute you say it, suddenly you become the Christian celebrity to everyone, which is not a bad thing, but I think the, the issue is it then brings with it so much more scrutiny from everyone else who watches you. Not just Christians, non-Christians as well, just as much, because now they'll be like, you know, Whatever projects you do, because I, you know, I I, uh, I acted when I was uh, in National Youth Theatre. I love to go back into acting again. Those are things I love to do. Suddenly, the roles that I might take will be scrutinised. Why is he doing that? Why is he playing this kind of a character if he's a Christian? Uh, and so, so it kind of it puts a little bit more on um, in the spotlight for everyone to kind of question all all the kind of jobs that you do. And that for me was is was really the only kind of concern I felt when I was I was talking about my faith but it was never enough that I wouldn't that I was never going to say it because I think at the end of the day sometimes it's good to have that kind of scrutiny on you because it con it, it, const it constantly just keeps you checking yourself and regulating yourself because I think when, if people don't know and you start acting that way then you sometimes you might even forget you're a Christian yourself um I but it's always been the biggest encouragement because for me kids when when a kid finds out I'm a Christian and they're from a Christian home the way their face lights up is so precious because it's 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 how I would have felt and it's that fact that I'm I'm being the presenter or the personality or, or the celebrity that I wish I had when I was a kid and it's it's so lovely I think when you when you didn't have that as a child the next best thing you can do is be that for someone else and I remember there were so many moments. The one time was when, uh, when I moved to Manchester and I started looking for different churches. And that was exciting because I'd, 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 moved, I'd moved home because of CBBC. I was now living in Manchester and now I was looking for a church. And that felt like the most adult thing I was doing. You know, I, I was there getting mortgages and stuff. But for me, it was like, I need to find a church. I need to find a community. And it was so cool because it was the first time I was finding a church that was mine, that wasn't my mum or dad's. That I, that I didn't have to go to as a kid and let it like, this is now my church, I'll discover and I'll bring my family to. And um, when I was looking around and I um, went to Audacious for a bit, which is a bit like Hillsong. So it's very like kind of in a warehouse, you know, young people, um, most of the songs aren't hymns. It's all like really pop stuff and everything. And I remember being there and I, and I was, you know, singing and, and listening to, to the message and everything. And I, I, I remember just, at the corner of my eye, I thought I saw some kids staring at me or in my direction. I thought, I'll leave it. Because the worst thing you can do when you think someone's seen you is go like, yes, it's me. And they're like, I wasn't. And then it's embarrassing. So um, afterwards, I'm in, I'm in the coffee area. And uh, their dad comes up to me and goes, are you, are, are you reached from CBBC? And I went, yes. And he said, I just got to say, it's so wonderful to see someone from television here in church actually 
interacting with their faith. My kids couldn't believe they, they, they saw you. They're so happy. Can they meet you? And I said, of course. And I went over and I, had a, and I just had a conversation with these kids and it, and it was lovely because they just feel, I think they feel seen, they feel represented. Um, I think one of, the, one of the things with Christianity in the media as well is it always gets a bad rep for so many things, you know, of um, you know, things like homophobia, for example, or, um, or, or seen as being so strict and, 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 and about rules, which is not the case. I think it always gets a little, just a little bit of a warped representation. And so for a child to see someone on television who is just themselves, who, who, who is normal, I guess, as people would say, and, and happy and confident in themselves and happy to mention being a Christian, it's, it's amazing. Uh, I, I even felt that when watching, uh, so a few years ago on Blue Peter, uh, one of the former presenters, Radzi Chininganya, did they did a for the Christmas special? They did a little bit of the nativity, and Radzi was explaining the nativity, what it means, and said he was a Christian. He said, and for Christians like me, we believe this. And my, I nearly like I, my jaw hit the floor. I couldn't believe he said it. I was like, they let you say that because on CBC, we're, we're, we were told we've always got to be very neutral. So I, I was never not like I was never allowed, but I was never strongly encouraged to talk about being a Christian a lot. Like I, I've done things like mentioned going to services and stuff. So putting the little C's that I am, but you, you, I never outwardly said I'm a Christian. So when Radzi did that on Blue Peter, my mind was blown. I loved it. Uh, so it's just all those little things, you know. So for me, it's way more of a blessing. I love it. Mm. And it's interesting because I'm, I'm a massive Strictly fan. We watch it all the time in our household. I've got, I've got two teenage daughters. So it's, it's a thing we watch year on year on year. And um, I found it very interesting watching this season actually with both yourself and Dan in it because there was that really beautiful, quite constant, quite visible, both of you being very open and clear about your faith and what it meant to you in, in a way that was just very natural. You know, seeing your church pastor on the VT and your church family and Dan saying that he didn't want to wear the Halloween costume because it wasn't something that they did at home. And he didn't feel that that would be integral to his relationship with his children, and how he's talked to them about it in the past. I just thought, you know what, this is a really nice, you know, it's, it's very, very refreshing to, to see two guys in the public arena just saying, this is who we are and mm. I'm not going to hide it. And, but it is just a normal part of our lives and it's valid in the same way that the parts of everybody else's lives are valid yeah yeah absolutely and I think what, what it, having Dan was honestly such a blessing for me on that show because we um we I don't know we didn't say it we didn't say it on the show but we we for all the weeks that we were there we prayed together before the show started every well it was it was the third week because I had to build up the courage to do it. So I remember I, um, <clears throat> I started, I prayed with Nancy. Um, Nancy isn't a Christian, but she she very much wanted to do anything that made me feel comfortable as well. So she would, she'd even be up, come up to me first, be like, let's pray before I even said anything. <laughs> and um, yeah, with Dan, I remember it was, it was the third week. I kept trying to build up the confidence of like, how would I ask him, how would I ask him? And I think we just bumped into each other and I went, Dan, would you mind praying? before the show and he went I'd love that and then it became the thing like Dan wouldn't I'd get twitchy so that, like there'll be times where we're like a minute to go and Dan and I hadn't prayed yet and I wasn't comfortable and then he, he'd come the last minute and we'd walk off just just go outside the studio for a little bit and pray and come back and we weren't the only ones that did it there were other contestants that came and joined us as well um and and prayed with us and it was so wonderful and even things like Halloween week, I remember Dan and I had talked about it. We, and he was like, what are you going to do for Halloween week? And I said, well, I've, I've had to say to them that I'm, I'm happy to dress up. I'd love to dress up, but there are certain things I'm not going to dress up as, you know, I don't want to be a part of anything that's, you know, that in the media, that in public kind of perception is seen as kind of evil or mm -hmm. anything kind of demonic. I don't want to do any of that kind of stuff. I'd rather, and, it, and this is the thing, because I already said now that I was a Christian, um, so it was, if I hadn't, if they'd given me something like a werewolf, mm. I might have done it because I thought no one knows. But now because everyone knew and it was out there, I thought, well, I, I, I have reputation to kind of uphold here. Um, and so that's when they gave me War of the Worlds and Dan Rock Lobster. And I was like, these, these are like perfect kind of compromises to it that allowed us to still be a part of the fun of the dressing up. Because the thing about Halloween, which is annoying is, it's such a fun, it, it sounds like a lovely thing, like dressing up as wonderful characters and going around 
and getting, you know, eclectic sweets from, from the neighborhood and what one of way to bring people together. But it's a shame that it's just clouded with this kind of, this whole spookiness and, and stuff that kind of puts, puts you off. However, it's funny though, because as, a, as a, I, I never celebrated Halloween as a kid and I don't, I don't miss it. I never felt like, oh, I feel hard done by by it either. But I, it was just so good actually to be to be two open Christians on the show and actually kind of say no to something that everyone else sees as normal. But it didn't ruin the fun for anyone. And we weren't doing it to be difficult. We weren't doing it to be righteous. We're just doing it because that's that's just how we feel, you know, in the same way that, you know, if a person who was Muslim was on the show and said, I'm going to dance with a headscarf or no one would question that. They'd, they'd respect that. And I think it's just about getting people to respect, you know, those those choices and those decisions and to know that it's not I think sometimes people see it as an attack on them they see is we're going like we're not going to do Halloween like you pagans or something like that there's no there's no accusations there there's no judgment it's just our decision yeah and I think that's a really nice thing isn't it what came across in the media for for both you and Dan throughout Strictly was how much fun and joy you both brought and and what lovely people you were and if you can get that balance right it can be a really good witness to people can't it it's not yeah like you say it's not a judgment or a, a being self-righteous it's just this is what I am and this is mm. what I believe and actually it's okay to talk about that and to find in society um, especially now it feels like sometimes there are there's so much that divides us and we want to get angry about the things that are different mm. but it's really nice to be able to, to go into those spaces carrying something of the joy and the peace and the love of Christ and, mm. and and bridge that gap somehow and say, this is okay to be me and it's okay to be you and it's okay for us to be together in that, but, you know, respect each other. Mm. So at what age did you know that you always wanted to be in front of the camera on a stage? Was it, was it always a dream of yours? I was 10. So um, my mum my would force me to do drama. I didn't want to do it. Uh, I was like, why are we doing it? And mum was like, because you're not doing anything else. And I thought, well, fine. I remember that. I remember I was in the car and I argued with her and she, she, she told me off and said, you're going to do it. And so I went in and it was, it was My Fair Lady. And I remember watching, and we watched the film as kids. And I don't know how I, as a 10-year-old, watched the whole of My Fair Lady, but I quite enjoyed it. And I remember thinking, all right, I like this Professor Higgins character. He's funny. He's sarcastic. I like that. And... Um, I was like, I'll read for him. And I remember going up and auditioning and my teacher went, who would you like to audition for? And I said, Higgins. And she went, is there anyone else? I'm like, no. And I didn't understand, I didn't understand that idea yet that you should have a backup. I was like, no, this is the character I'm going for. And I got it and I did it and I really loved it. And after that, it, it, it never changed. I loved performing. I, I, it was the thrill I got from, it was just all the praise you got afterwards. I, I couldn't believe it. Suddenly everyone was like, good job, good job. And I was like, why are you all saying this to me? I was just doing a job. And I thought, this is great. And so I continued doing it. And um, after, after that, I always knew I'd love to do something in that, but I always thought that that was an impossible dream. So for me, I'd, I'd just always, I'd watch TV and watch my favorite shows and imagine I was on it. I'd, I'd always do that, always like choose a character that I liked and then imagine myself being that character the whole time. And that was always where I felt. And then even through secondary school, I was always in the play. So me and my best friend, Connor, who's an actor as well now, um, we were the only, well, most of the time, we were the only two boys that would be in the plays. So we always got the, the, the lead male roles. And then the rest was always girls. And then you might get a few boys come in, but they always left partway through. We were always the ones that stuck through it. And so from, from 10 onwards, I knew that it was something that I liked to do, that it was something that I'd love to keep doing. But I never took it seriously as a potential thing I could do until I was about 19. Um, because I, since then I, I got into sixth form and I decided that I wanted to be a doctor. So I was like, right, need to focus on studying. So I didn't do any drama or any musical theatre for two years, um, thinking that that was, you know, I had to leave it because the idea of being, you know, an actor or a presenter or, or having that kind of job is so out there. It's, it's a, basically a lottery. So there's no point in gambling that. And I thought that being a doctor would be more of a, a safe bet. And... And I, and I quite liked it, you know, I enjoyed science and I remember being in, and then in university and then I picked up drama and musical theatre again in, this, in the societies. And I, I remember I was stressed from doing like, exams and stuff. And I walked into the musical theatre society in the first session and I felt like I just unlocked something that I locked away for no reason. And I couldn't believe 
how much I love something. I, was, I, I forgot how much you could love a thing. And it was so amazing. And, and I sat there just thinking, oh my gosh, this is, I need this. It became such a lifeline for me. Like every week I'd be running there, um, ready to be singing or, or dancing or acting. And it, it was so joyous. And then in my second year, my second year, I remember they were talking to us about graduate medicine. So I was in human and medical science. So I hadn't gotten into medicine at that point. So I was planning to do graduate medicine afterwards. And one of the lecturers was just telling us how difficult it is to get in and how big the competition is. And he said how there was one university that they had so many applicants, what they would do is they'd throw the papers in the air and whatever papers landed upright got in. No. <laughs> I don't know if that was a, a lie or true. It sounded like it was true. I heard that. And then there was a man also in the university who was probably like in his 40s, still trying to get into med school. And I saw that and I went, oh my gosh, I don't want this because if I like I realized this is just as much like this is just as much of a gamble as entertainment. Like to get into you can be as smart as you can and still your paper might fall on the wrong side and then you're done. So I sat there and I thought, well, if I'm going to spend my life doing something that's super competitive, that's super hard to get into, I might as well enjoy it so that if I don't make it, I've had fun along the way. And that's when I went home to my mom in my second year of uni when I don't want to, I don't want to pursue medicine anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. Although I continued my degree and got it because I don't quit, but I was very much like, I don't want to do medicine I didn't say I want to be an actor or a presenter because I still wasn't sure if that was a possible thing. And then I started doing presenting in, in, um, in university for fun. Uh, I did the new, it was a new show on our student channel. And then they nominated me for uh, a national student television award in my final year of uni. And I, um, I remember sitting there and I was, um, it was really fun. We were all like dressed up. It was very much like the, the NTAs, but everyone's poor because we're students. So we're all sitting there. And um, they're doing my award. And I was like, I don't care about it. And um, he starts reading out, you know, you know, best on-screen male. And I freak out. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I do want it. I really, really want it because I've been doing this for the last two years. This has been really fun. And I literally I, I literally just bent down like I had a stomach ache and just went, God, it's me. Um, if I'm meant to do anything, anything in television, please let me win this award. And I don't know why I did it. I was like, I, was, I, it was, I thought... What a, what a selfish prayer to do. How am I testing God like that of going like, send me a sign right now if I'm meant to be doing this career. Let me win. And I thought, I'm not going to win this now. This is ridiculous. God's going to be like, absolutely not. And I did win. And I, I honestly couldn't believe it because our university wasn't winning anything either. Like we had, we've gone through all these awards already the whole night. We won nothing. And suddenly my name got called out and I could, I could not believe it. And it was the fastest answer to prayer I've ever experienced. And I ran up there and I took my award. Uh, I even called my parents. They had no idea where I was. I didn't even tell them what I was doing because I didn't think it was going to come to anything. And then after that, the, the realisation came and I went, oh my gosh, I've got to do it now. I've got to go for it. And so, yeah, I made, I made a show with friends. And we sent around, sent around to different places. And then next thing I knew, CBBC got in contact and the rest was just kind of history. But um, yeah, God, that, that one prayer was probably one of the most important prayers I ever made in my life. And it was a quick one as well. And uh, yeah, it all happened from there. Holier than thou. Radical. Delusional. Ignorant. Perfect. It's time to challenge stereotypes about Christians, and Premier Christianity is leading the way. Transform your perceptions, broaden your horizons, open your mind to wide-ranging views. Read interviews with politicians, theologians, and TV presenters. Discover the breadth of the Christian spectrum. Be provoked, react, inspired, and informed. Get the print magazine and full online access for just £4.95 a month. Subscribe today at premierchristianity.com. Premier Christianity magazine. The bigger picture. It was a quick one as well. And uh, yeah, it all happened from there. Wow, that really does sound like an incredibly fast door opening, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really, it really is. And it, you know, what's wonderful about it is, I said that's one of the most important prayers I've done. And it was a short prayer, which again, for people to know that your prayers don't need to be amazing. They don't need to have these kind of incredible words. It doesn't need to be like David in Psalms. It doesn't need to be poetic. It can just be purely honest and desperate sometimes. 
And you'd be surprised how many times God will answer prayers like that. And it's really um, beautiful to hear you talk about um, what you do with such passion and joy, because I think we forget that sometimes, don't we, as, as humans and Christians. And I mean, I've got a 16 year old daughter who's currently going through the same thing, not knowing whether she wants to do art and music or veterinary medicine. And mm. they feel a million miles apart and she's really torn. And, you know, it, it reminds me of um, the runner, Eric Liddell, saying that he when he runs, he feels God's pleasure. And it, mm. it's, I think it's a really nice reminder that actually sometimes when we're in the in the spaces where God wants us to be, not always, but it is nice when we feel his joy and his pleasure on mm. what we're doing and that, that it's yeah. okay to have fun in that and enjoy it. Do you always feel like that God has gone before you and opened doors for you in your career and the opportunities you've been given? Absolutely. I really do. I mean, for CBC and the biggest jobs I, I, I got before Strictly were well, all done without an agent. I didn't have an agent. I had I had one when I joined CBC, but they didn't help me get that. And then I, I left it soon after. And then for a couple of years, I, I didn't have one. And I remember being a little bit concerned because I thought, you know, you they're great for helping you elevate and getting different things. But I decided not to kind of worry myself just to, you know, in my head, I just thought, enjoy the work that you're doing, you know, enjoy the work of your hands, just work for God and not for man. And just, and, you know, just be joyful in it. And so that's how I was in CBBC, just enjoying it. I loved it. I love, I love it now. And from there, little bits came, you know, other bits were happening. Uh, and I was able to do like, you know, a live a BBC live lesson or do bits of bite size. So these other jobs came, which was really exciting. And then out of nowhere, um, a guest came in and she, her agent was with her. And I was doing my normal thing as always. Um, when, when a guest comes in, I like to kind of make them feel really comfortable, make them, because kids television, I think people get really nervous because they think you're going to try and make them look like a fool. And my thing is, I will do my best to look more like a fool than you so that you can always feel comfortable, you know, um, because people always have this image they want to keep. So I was always, I was doing all that, joking, laughing with them. And her agent loved it so much. They contacted me out of the blue. And then we had a discussion and I, I really liked it. And then I, I joined them and they're the ones who got me on Strictly. So it, through just being diligent in the work that I was doing. And when I say work, I mean talking to a puppet dog and having pies <laughs> in my clothes. That was my work, but that was work. Yeah. And, you know, diligently doing that, it led to where I am now. And it was it's just patience, you know. Jacob worked, what, 14 years just to marry the one woman that he wanted, you know. Like, there are people that have worked harder for, for you know, things. And so you, you it's, you've just got to have that patience. But I, I, I've, I've always loved what I do. And I do feel God's always always open those doors for me I've always done my best to pray before everything that I do every kind of piece of work that I do but yeah it's I've always felt it's been a divine thing because there's no way that I did it myself I'm not savvy at all I'm not great at networking I'm very good at talking I'm very good at communicating getting on with people but the whole um oh I'd be great on this show you should get me for this here's my car blah blah Ugh, no I don't even have my own business cards like some people told me to do that so many times I, I still haven't I'm so bad at that I'm so bad at selling myself because I'm British and we're not taught to do that it's annoying Americans have it down pat they'll easily talk themselves up. I can't do that but the only if I do that then I've always got to counteract it by being self-deprecating in a way that's just how how I'm wired and so the fact that I, I've come this far absolutely no way was that by me that that's through God or whatever guardian angel he's placed with me who's just kind of like sown the sowed the seeds and you know just made sure I was in the right place I just feel like every time he's just kind of put, shoved me that way I'm like oh okay I'll, I'll go here and then something happens and it's great uh, and that just brings me such a sense of peace because I never I don't feel this stress of oh I've got to work to get this and that otherwise I'll never make it I know I'm going to make it it's just in his timing. I don't need to know the timing. I just need to know that it's going to happen soon. And it's just trust. But do you, do you have ambitions and plans at the back of your head? Have you got things on your bucket list? You're like, oh, I'd love to do this, this and this. Or oh, like... man. Yeah, I'd love, like, I'd love to do films. I'd love to, I'd love to act in a drama and, and a comedy. I think comedy is where I want to go to start with first. Uh, acting was always the main thing I wanted to do ever since I was a child and doing theatre and, and, and all those things. And um, and then CBBC came along and put me in the presenting route, which I absolutely love. And I've always said to myself that if presenting is what I do for the rest of my life, then that, that is wonderful. What a wonderful kind of substitute for what I in, initially intended to do. 
but I would love to get back into that and have a good script and go for it and look for it. Um, the West End would be a great one to do. And after Strictly, who knows? I feel comedy would be a good one to go into because CBBC was always about, you know, comedy and being funny. And I think my sense of humour really works for that. So um, I'd love to do something like starting there with comedy acting and then elevating onto drama and, and, and doing those kind of projects as well. But again, it's something I can't force. You know, you need things like a portfolio and I've been doing more presenting than acting in my recent years. But again, you know, I trust God, nothing's too impossible. But at the same time, it's not, it's not the kind of trust God of like, I'm just gonna sit here and do nothing, expect it to come. Work has to be done, I know I've got to do that. But again, I've just got to trust his own time and, and keep patient and persevere with it. I'd love to do some of that. I'd love to do, um, in terms of presenting, people always ask me what I'd like to do. I'd love to have a show like uh, The Late Late Show that James Corden does or Jimmy Kimmel. I'd love to do that kind of late night talk show stuff, but then that's not, you don't really do that in the UK. That's more of an American thing. But if I have to move to LA to do that, then, you know, I'll, I'll bite <laughs> the bullet if that's what it is. Um, I'd love to do that because it's just, it, I just love people. I love talking. I love interacting with people. I love kind of getting things out of people that they feel safe with. You know, I'm not the kind of interviewer like yourself who wants to get a scoop and ruin a person's career. I, I want a person to feel comfortable. I want a person to feel like they're, when I'm doing an interview with someone, I want them to feel like we're sitting in my garden and we're friends and we're talking around like a little table. We're just joking. We're just saying silly things. That's always the energy I want to get. And um, CBBC has been an amazing training ground for that because the guests that we get, that's what I do. That's, um, you know, I feel like the most important part of being a presenter, especially when you're interviewing a guest, is the bit before the camera when you go to meet them and you say, hi, I'm Reese. nice to meet you, how are you? That is where you start to get the, the essence of who they are and build the trust. You build it there away from the camera so that when you're on the camera, it's there already and they're going to give you everything. If you, Because if I came into a show and the, and the presenter didn't even come to see me and then I didn't see them until we got onto the studio, I'm, a, I'm still going to be a little bit standoffish. I'm like, what do you want from me? What's your... What's your motivation with me being here so too many ambitions Emma too many mm. things I want to do I'm greedy um I, ambitious is the word I should be saying but um you know I'll, I'll take whatever comes you know it's, it's it's not my will you know it's his uh, you know whatever door I'll push I'll just hope it opens if it doesn't I'll move to the next one mm. but they, those are really good points you make though aren't they there's a difference between surrendering your will to God and knowing that he's ultimately in control about of it and that you don't need to stress mm. and not being proactive in 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 doing the hard work of getting on in your career and and, and trying to push the doors like you say and, and trust that he'll open the right ones for you and as Christians there's a real danger if we just sit around expecting God to deliver our life goals to us on a plate because that doesn't happen does it you know it you doesn't, it doesn't. and I think that can make people very bitter as well sometimes as well like you get people who still say it's coming it's coming but then they become really disheveled by the weight and that's just not the way to do it mm. yeah and you also do a lot of other things outside of your presenting, don't you? I, I, I was reading that you're quite involved with the mental health charity. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I'm a part of the mental health charity Place to Be, which, mm. is, which focuses on children's mental health. And so they work on uh, putting counsellors in schools so that children have someone to talk to. I think we take it for granted, the kind of uh, children's resilience and their ability to handle, you know, life. And we always think stuff like, you know, they'll, they'll get over it, kids are scrappy or they'll grow up and forget it. And I think you'd be surprised the amount of things that kids carry with them till at their adulthood. And so it's so important to deal with that stuff now. You can't, you can't take that for granted and just think that they're going to move on from it. Because some of the things these kids go through is traumatic. And so I've had the, the pleasure of going into schools and, and talking with children and hearing their experiences. And some of the stories you get, you, you, want, to, you want to tear up because here's a child who's barely 10 and they've gone through something that I haven't gone through at 28 yet and I'm still scared to go through. Uh, it's a wonderful charity and they, they really care about it. They're very passionate about children's mental health. And I, and as a children's TV presenter, it's, you know, it, it has to be an interest of mine because I, as, as much as, you know, my job is fun and it's silly, there is an importance where I think sometimes there might be that kid who's come home from school who's just had a really stressful time and maybe home life isn't that great even. The one bit of solace they get is they turn on TV and they see us idiots messing around, 
talking directly at them through the television, giving them the chance to even phone in and talk to us or send us a letter, send us a picture, interact with us in some way. And that just gives them some escape from a struggle that they're having. And that's a small, that's a small part I'm, paying, I'm, I'm playing in this, but I will give everything to that part if it helps the child in some way. And it, it's, it's, not, it's an absolute pleasure to be a part of a place to be because as a child, I didn't know about mental health. You know, it's a very new thing with us now. And I remember as a kid, there was one time where I was very uh, annoyed at something and I wasn't listening and I was being I was being a real brat. And I got taken into a room and I thought it was a detention. I thought I was going to get told off by the teacher. And she just sat me down and just asked me questions about myself. And I didn't realise that she was doing the work that place to be do now. And I didn't understand it as a kid. I remember coming out and going like, why didn't I get shouted at? That? that was weird. And not understanding that. And she was... She was trying to understand, you know, what I was going through and looking to my mental health even back then. So it's it's a it's a blessing to be a part of it. And they they're gearing up for their children's mental health week, which and they're gonna try and get loads of kind of well-known people to talk about their their journey, uh, their growth and 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 all those wonderful things. So um exciting things are coming with place to be. Yeah, and I think now after a couple of years of pandemic and kids being in and out of school and all the financial pressures that have come on families with that, it's it's probably, I mean, you know, most of the youth leaders and and teachers and, and people that I know that work with kids are just saying it's an absolute tsunami of pain out there and you know they're dealing with things that are they've never dealt with before so I should imagine that charities like Place to Be are unfortunately more necessary than ever Definitely. Um, it's really really important that and I think you're right I think um, guys like yourself when you're when you're working in those arenas with with children and young people and you prominent on social media and people see you on tv that's incredibly powerful I guess in the same way that you're talking about your faith being an example it's incredibly important um, especially for young men isn't it to hear other young men say it's okay to struggle and it's all right to ask for help because yeah. those role models have not always been there no and I think especially yeah as a man Admitting you're a Christian, you're more likely to see a woman being, you know, being open about her faith than a man is. Um, mm. There's still such this weird perception of, uh, I don't know, of it being a crutch or it being some kind of weakness or making you less of a man. It, you know, if you are a Christian, and my dad has a, a faith, he never interacted with, interacted with it as much. So he didn't come to church with us a lot. So I am, um, I was always very much um, when I'd see Christian male role models. It was a big thing for me because it was almost my, a lot of the faith that I got was from women. So when I when I heard it from men, it was always it was always a real um, it was quite alien to me. I didn't I didn't I didn't know it. I didn't understand. Well, not didn't understand, but it was just it was an exciting thing to see. So it's, it's it's I think it's more important than ever, especially as a, as a man, as a black man, just to be talking about my faith, not be ashamed of it, but actually. Um, identify with it as something as a part of my strength than a weakness so what's next for you guys um you're on you're on tour at the moment with Strictly what happens when that ends have you got plans or uh well hopefully a holiday but um <laughs> I need to I need to renew my passport first <laughs> um we've got yeah so I'll, I'll return back to CBBC uh which I can't wait to do because I haven't been there since um since week six so it's been a long time so it'd be good to go back there and just interact with Hacker and, and, and Laura and, and, and Joe and, and all the other presenters. And, and, then, and then I've got some things with BBC Teach. Uh, we've got some bite-sized things going on as well. So loads of things within the BBC that are very much kind of my comfort zone. So it'd be good to jump back into those. And then hopefully some, some more things to come in the future. And there's another, there's another Strictly thing as well, but I'm not saying any more than that because it's still very much, we're not sure what it even is. But it's exciting. So I've got a little bit of sequence in my future still yet. Um, but other than that, it's you know what? It's it's just I'm just great. I'm just grateful for everything that's come my way and continues to come my way. And um, and I'll take it until you know the next strictly cast comes in and everyone forgets about us and then focus <laughs> on the next jive and waltz that comes in. But um, for now, yeah, it, there's some good things coming. Well, by then you'll have like a thousand other things going on in your life. So, you know, people will, people will forget knowing you as maybe Reese from Strictly and, and know you as Reese from lots of other exciting projects, it sounds like. so. That's the plan. <laughs> Would you ever consider writing your own dramas? Is that ever, ever something you've ever done? Or you strictly? Ooh, 
and that's you know never say never you know I'd love to I think it's just I need it's really hard to write some because I'm not a writer so I've I enjoy, I've, I've, I've written little stories for fun and stuff. I think a drama is something you really need to like take yourself away and isolate yourself in a dark room and go for it. Um, I think if I was, if I had the right people behind me to push me, then I would. I, I, I think with that aspect, I know I need someone to really kick my butt and like get me there and write and, and it helped me and it helped me edit it and stuff because um, there's, there's, a, there's a technique to that that obviously you do need to learn that I haven't. But yeah, of course, write my own things is definitely something I, I'd love to do. Everyone's always been like pushing me about that. And I think I need to now to do that because Strictly is the hardest thing I've ever done. And I think compared to Strictly, everything else now will seem pretty, pretty okay. So who knows? So was Strictly the first time in your professional life that your Christianity really was sort of in, in, the, in the limelight, as it were? Because you were saying yes. earlier that sort of on, on CBBC, you, you, it was less of a thing you shared. Was that something that happened by accident or was it very intentional for you from the outset? It was more intentional. I, I didn't go out, I didn't set out with the aim of doing it though. It was because um, it was Couples Choice Week. And when it's Couples Choice Week, they try and get more of a, of a personal story from you. And so I remember sitting there and I thought, well, I don't have, I don't know if I have anything personal, personal to share. The most personal thing about me is my faith is, is, being a Christian is my church, but I thought you're not going to use that. You're the BBC, so why why on earth would you? But I remember they went, well, well, no, let's let's try it, let's see. And so I just spoke about it. And what I really appreciate with Strictly and how they handled it was they just made it normal. They made it like they allowed me to talk about it like I was talking about a football team or you know um, a different club that I'm a part of. You know, I didn't I didn't preach. I wasn't quoting crazy scriptures. I wasn't doing any of that kind of stuff. I was just saying, this is me. This is what I do. This is what it's about. These, these, you know, these are the people that go to my church. My church is this. I go because of this. I love it because of this. I feel it like this. It's, it's the one concert in my life. That was the one thing that people kept with them a lot, actually. True, so many things have changed, but God never has. And um, the BBC just, they just, they beautifully handled it in, in such a great way that, no one could get offended. No one could go, oh, he's preaching jargon at us. You couldn't get anyone who, who would think that I was trying to indoctrinate anyone. I was just speaking my truth. And, they, and I, I, the fact that they allowed that to happen. And then it got followed up by me just doing like a really cool Spider-Man dance. I just, I thought it just fit so well, especially for kids to sit there and go like, oh my gosh, I can talk about God and then pretend to be fighting aliens afterwards in, in, a, in a superhero suit and do like a cool street dance. It, it just... It works. It works. It works way better than if it was me talking about my faith and then doing a waltz. There was levels to it. And it was, I didn't plan to do it, but I think when the opportunity came, I grabbed it. When I used to help out with the Sunday school at our church, we had one of our favourite kids songs, which was called Jesus is my superhero. So, you know, it works on so many levels. I'm sure we could come up with a, a deep and theological discussion of why that is appropriate or not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was really nice. It felt like a journey um, and it was, you know, the way that they had your pastor and then your church family and then little bits would come out in the media and what you were sharing on social media saying that you've been praying for Nance like you talked about earlier, which was really lovely. And it, it felt authentic and real and I'm sure was um, yeah such an encouragement to so many people just to be able to watch someone in the public eye be unashamed and unembarrassed about that. And mm. I think you tweet, I think you wrote something on Instagram at the time that basically said something along the lines of intimating that yeah that Christianity does sometimes feel like a bit of a minority faith <laughs> even though <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's technically not in this country and that actually this is not something that we need to be embarrassed about or, or hide under a bushel it's just something that we can share as we would any other part of our life. No absolutely not I think I think we always sometimes be worried that we'll mention it and then people are going to hit us back with like arguments of why do you believe this and why that and most of the times now especially when you're around mature people you mention it and they just go oh that's great. And they'll either leave it alone or they might ask you, they might be curious. And I find myself now having like really interesting conversations with people who are not religious in the slightest, but they just want to know. And it's because of me. It's because of the way, and it's not because I preach scripture, but it's because of the way that I, my character and the way that I live my life. And I think as a Christian, your, your life needs to be the testimony more than your words. And I think it's been times when I've gotten to know a person really well, 
and then they just out of the blue just go like so you're a christian like why is that and that's because we bonded and that's so wonderful when you get that and and I've learned now not to feel pressure when that happens. Sometimes I remember early on someone say that and I've been like, oh, I've got this much chance to convert someone. Ah, oh, I've got to choose all the right words. And now it's just, no, let me just talk. Let me just explain to you why, you know, why I believe the way I believe. Um, and you can do that what you will. So do you think you'll ever um, follow in Rancy's footsteps and move from, you know, children's pre- presenting to songs of praise or something? I would love to do a bit, bit of songs of praise. I, listen, I love hymns. I love me sometimes. I, oh my gosh, like, one of the reasons why I didn't stay at um, Audacious Church was because I was like, there no, there's not enough hymns in this. Don't, don't hear too like, many people under 30 saying that. <laughs> I, man, there, there are a lot more people like me that love a good hymn. I'm like, give me Shine, Jesus, Shine right now. That is a bop. Like, I'm not saying every week, but throw me a bone. Something. <laughs> I want to have a song that I know. Old Rugged Cross. Like, hit me with those. I love a good hymn. Songs of, Sometimes when I watch songs of praise, I always come away smiling. I'm like, this is, oh, I love it. <laughs> and you you are a musician aren't you you play the piano is that right yeah i do play the piano for yeah. um my worship uh, okay. band at church so i i get involved a little bit occasionally like you that. get to pick the hymns then <laughs> sometimes i do yeah i used to i used to i used to lead worship at my church back in romford so i and um because that church has uh, quite a, a lot of, of older people uh, you as a worship leader you have to be you have to be smart with how you choose your songs you know you've got to choose you know, some of the good, you know, the, the Chris Tomlins, you know, um, contemporary ones. But then you've always got to throw in some of the, the classics as well, because the classics are, as well as they sound great, but the, the lyrics are beautiful. And I don't, you shouldn't forget those either. No, definitely. Yeah, no, need, you need a good belter every now and again, don't you? Good at the every now and again. Him that everybody knows. <laughs> that was Rhys Stevenson speaking to me, Emma Fowl, here on Premier Christian Radio. We hope you enjoyed this interview. For hundreds more conversations just like this, you can download the profile as a podcast. Just search for the profile wherever you normally get your podcasts from or visit premierchristianradio.com forward slash the profile.